and welcome to another edition of the Two Dogs Podcast, uh, the podcast of the Past Players and Association of the Western Bulldogs, formerly known, of course, as the Footscray Footy Club. Uh, we're going to go to the 80s, and a couple of blokes who are with us right through the 80s and uh, made uh, enormous contribution to our football club are my special guests this week, and they're two very, very nice gentlemen. Yes. Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, former club captain, a Coleman medalist. Between them, 300 games. Also between them, over 600 goals. A team of the century uh, in there as well. Uh, and uh, two of the great characters of the club. But I'm really happy to say two blokes who are still seen around the club, uh, you know, day after day, match after match, uh, they're around uh, supporting the red, white and blue. Even though life has taken them in all sorts of different directions uh, since their footy days and their days at the Witten Oval. I'm talking, of course, about Simon Beasley. And Ricky Kennedy, let's roll out the 1980s here on the Two Dogs podcast. Enjoy. I arrived at the club at the end of 78 and played 79, 80 in the twos. And then first game was in 81. Now, that you actually had retired from football previous to that, though, I believe. As a youngster, you decided to give it away. <laughs> yeah, at the ripe old age of uh, 13 or 14 years of age, I hung up my boots and focused on golf. A lot, a lot is uh, is said uh, about uh, you know sportsmen who, who finish up having AFL careers and what they could have done, be a champion basketballer or a golfer or whatever. So I, I did some, I did some research. You did actually win the uh, the Taralgon uh, Senior and the Junior Championships as a, I think a fifteen or sixteen year old. So you're actually pretty good at it, and you played in the Vic Open. Played by, actually played behind Arnold Palmer. Yeah. yeah there's, a, there's an interesting piece for you. But um, look, you and I both know, Palmer certainly knows that. The difference between playing amateur sport and professional sport is the length of the Flemington straight by about a hundred fold. So, you know, so everyone talks about it, if and and what, and um, I don't think that's the case. So I think I took the right path. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you took a while to get to the doggies after initially being what, what uh, uh, about five years before you actually made the move after the first offer that you got. I sort of cut my teeth in the waffle. Uh, more or less, before I came to the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs sort of approached me in 76, but I was only a kid then, sort of too immature, and so I wanted to play with Swan Districts. Um, I used to live in the area, and my grandfather just loved Swan Districts, and he insisted I play with them. And so then I didn't. I ventured over in the end of 81, yeah. Even then, Tabby was hanging out for more money. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Kennedy got very <laughs> envious when he found out what I was getting paid, Kevin, because he couldn't help himself. He used to snoop around Boffo's office and <laughs> what everyone was getting paid. That was typical Kennedy. But, um, I was on a very modest salary and I was very happy to share share with the rest of them. Well, hang on. Let, let, me, let, me, go, let me just bring that up because uh, now I read some details on your sign-on, Rick. When you signed on with, uh, with uh, Jimmy Allison and Charlie Sutton, you got a free lunch, a jumper, a pair of socks, 500 bucks, and you're promised 65 bucks a week. Is that right? That's exactly it, Kev. Yeah. Now, what did Simon sign up for? Well, Simon knocked back. In 1976, Simon knocked back $5,000 cash that some bloke pulled out of a jar somewhere and went to hand to him after an ammo uh, carnival game. In 76, there was one of the State of Origin games in Perth, and the Footscray bloke came over, and I met him on the Saturday morning at the game. I wasn't playing in the game, and... He said to me, look, we're very keen for you to come over to the dogs. I played in the amateur carnival in South Australia in the middle of the year. Anyway, he pulled 5,000 large out of his back pocket. It was the best the best thing ever. But um, I said, look, I mean, I can't. I haven't played in the waffle as yet, so I, I declined it. I knew my old man would blow up at me if I took the money, but 
5000 bucks in 1976 was sort of basically a year's wage, more or less. So anyway, it wasn't to be, but it was a good move being, um, being patient, Kevin. <laughs> hey, Kev, how's, how's that? I mean, he's just a receiver. I mean, the ball's actually got to get to him, and that's what they offer him. Hey, like, seriously. You know, Kevin, the, the great thing about the 70s and the 80s, and you would recognise this, Kevin, because the full forwards were dominant, you know, and people came to the game to watch full forwards in action. And so people down the back line, like Kennedy and you know, Mickey Egan, all those little back pocket players, they were, they were relevant. It was about the full forwards, and it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy in a way that the full forwards are not recognised. I don't think you'll see a full forward kick 100 goals anymore. It's all finished, all over. So all we can do, Kevin, is go back to the tapes and the glory years of the 80s and the 90s. Why do, the I, why do I feel like a mediator in a divorce proceedings between you two? <laughs> yeah, but, Kevin, i got to put up with him at Kingston Heath. I've got him into the best golf club in Australia, right? Looked after him, you know. Hey, how how, then, how willing were the, were the sort of training nights when, when Kennedy would line up on Beasley in a scratch match on a training night? We, we had match practice a bit. I don't know whether they have it these days, but we used to have it out there. It was lovely in the middle of the winter, it's freezing cold and everything. And, and uh, Malthouse used to say to me, look, Kennedy's down on form. I'm putting you on Kennedy. I don't want you to kick any more than two or three. His confidence is bad enough as it is. So <laughs> just take it easy on him. Take it easy on him. And uh, Kennedy had a bad habit. And, and, it was a, and, and, and he knows what it was. He was a pincher. He was one of the pinch. He loved pinching. And he loved pinching Kevin. That was a very bad trait of Kennedy. Blokes got away with it in the 80s. He wouldn't last these days. He wouldn't last five minutes if he tried that. Anyway, apart from that, he's a good bloke. Kev, I've only really got one response to that. Yep. That uh, playing practice games on Beaver was was like playing on your little brother. And it was, <laughs> and it was, it was purely just a confidence builder. He'd take marks one-handed. You sort of let him have you sort of let him have a kick every now and then just to, so he felt like he was sort of part of it. Uh, and uh you didn't destroy the young fella, that's all. So that's okay. Beaver's got his he, he looked he's, after uh, he looked after me, Kevin. He's a good man. <laughs> you know, for a bloke that crawled out from a rocket through Albert, mate. Hey uh, Rick, what was your what's your memories of the stockbroker arriving at the at the Bulldogs in uh, in the early part of the eighties? Well, you'd probably appreciate this, Kev, because you're around in these days. And um, there wasn't too many people that come to training in a suit and a tie. And so we've got this private schoolboy from WA, the big recruit for the year that rolls up in a in a suit and a tie, um, and he's got this sort of elephant-looking head. Uh, and then he sort of proceeds to hold court with everyone. And, uh, you know, he's a fairly confident young fella. Simon uh, added, uh, added a lot to our side on the field and off the field. And, yeah. and whilst we guessed, and, uh, he, um, he was a great... Yeah. Hey, Kevin, when did the... Um, Doug Hawkins couldn't quite get over the suit and the sort of the uh, the uh, the briefcase sort of thing when I walked into training. So they took it upon themselves to... Jack- I drove an old, an old BMW and they jacked up the tyres one night. <laughs> so they came out, him and, him and Emma Dunn. So uh, Dougie Hawkins and Emma Dunn were the two protagonists. So they jacked it up. We had some great times. I mean, as Rick says, we had some, we had a lot of fun out there. I mean, 
it uh, it led to good times in the mid eighties in terms of success on the field. But it was it was a great great club to play at in the eighties, the Bulldogs. That would be Chief Inspector Emmett Dunn. Yes, he was. Yes. He, he he was, and and, and one one pre season we drove down to we were playing down. Was it Rick um, Moe or Terrellgan? Rick, we had a pre season. So Emmett and I were hurtling down the highway, and anyway, the police pulled me, and I think about one hundred and forty. And Emmett said to me, I'll handle this, thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, he, he was a passenger, so he just gets out and waddles up to the guy. G'day, Plot, how are you? G'day, buddy, how are you, mate? Thank you very much. Off you go. Thank you. Goodbye. It was very funny. <laughs> Emmett came over from Richmond, and we, we we had a big influence, big Richmond influence at the club. You know, obviously, um, Mickey um, Walshy came over. I mean, Neil Peart came over. Timmy Jeff came over. We had quite a few of them come from the Tigers, even... Even Wayne Shan, who uh, oh, yeah. I don't know whether he played the game, but he's a member of Kingston Heath, Wayne, and he's a very, very good golfer, but uh, not 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 footballer. So, <laughs> but it was it was it was good fun. It was good fun. We had a great a great camaraderie. I was just thinking, Kevin, a little story, and I'll try and keep it clean. But and and Pyman was a bit of a shock to all of us at uh, the Western Oval, and always remember that he and Hawkins went to the men's. Not sort of together, but sort of happened to be in there at the same time and at the urinal. And Simon finishes up and walks out and standing out there washing his hands. And Hawk uh, finishes up and zips up and walks out and walks straight past Simon and said, See you out the back, Simon. And Simon says, Hey, Hawk. He said, Yeah, Simon. He said, What are you doing? He said, What do you mean, what are you doing? He said, Mate, over in WA, we were taught to uh, wash our hands after we'd been to the toilet. And uh, Hawk said, Mate, down at Braybrook, we'll have taught never to fiddle on them in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's a great man, Hawkins. Uh, he is a, a great man. Hey, is there a, the, 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 just looking at that early part of the 80s when you were both there, the, the pre-Malthouse days were very different to the to when Mick arrived. What, 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 tell us about the impact that Mick had instantaneously when he arrived at the club to take over from Louie. In, in hindsight, we, we obviously played under one of the greatest coaches of all time and, uh, and it was the start of Mick's career and I suppose the the initial thought, you know, that first meeting you have with the coach, you know, the playing group and the coaches come in and, and there's a guy by the name of um, uh, Wayne Wayne Walsh that come with Mick as chairman selectors as well, who was uh, was a great addition as well. So he and Walsh um, really made a difference to our club and um, took it from, you know, a, a, a level to, to the next level or probably two or three levels above. The first impression was these blokes are fair income and uh, and they're gonna they're gonna help us to get better and and we all want to get better we all want to play finals and and we're prepared to do what was needed to be done so that, that's my that's my impression. In Malthouse, Kevin was only he was still pretty young. I reckon he'd retired in '82. He missed out on that grand final and he'd, he'd been out of football for a year or so. And he was still working. I, I, I just, he was, I, I think it was a, an insurance business or something. And he came to the club, and he, he was good value because he, he wasn't, he wasn't that much older than a lot of the players. When I went to the club, it was Royce Hart. Royce Hart coached in '82 for a few games, and then uh, they gave Royce the flick, and then Bluey came into the slot. God bless his soul, oh, Bluey, having passed away yeah. last year. And um, and Bluey was good, but we we were in need of someone from outside. The, the, the bulldog domain, 
And so to that extent, they got Mick and he was he was terrific value for us. He really played that. I mean, Mick was the good cop. It took us a long time to work this out, Kev. But <laughs> Mick was the good cop and Walsh, he was the bad cop. And and they played that role beautifully. And as Simon said, uh, he got along with all of us. We all had a lot of fun with him. Um, you know, we mucked around with him. We were serious with him. Uh, and make no mistakes, he, he, he didn't mince his words or um, really play favourites or any of that sort of stuff. So when it was time to work, it was to work. And when it was time to have fun, we, we had fun. And um, it was it was really a great time at the club, um, led, led by him. You uh, Didn't you uh, run through Wayne Walsh in a training session one night? Oh, accidentally, Ted. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> oh, I think it would be reasonable to say that there was, <laughs> there was a lot of us that didn't like the bad cop. Yeah. And we used to do this circle work where one team would go one way and the other team would go the other way. And while she would often join in, and whoever's side he wasn't on, we'd all hunt him. Anyway, he was on the opposition side this night. And so I, I did run through the middle of him and I actually broke his arm. And um, unbeknownst to us until a few days later uh, or sometime later that he um, it obviously cracked his arm and, and he just kept playing for another five or ten minutes and then quietly went off and he was a great man, Walshie. His contribution was enormous and um, I think for memory, Stephen McPherson nicknamed him the inspector because a few of them didn't like the... Um, the, the sort of intrusion into their, you know, their what they were doing out there, and while she was right onto them, he was too smart for them. But uh, he was great for us, and um, and I've actually yeah. kept in contact with him over the years. He's a great bloke, Wayne Walsh. There he is. Tell me about uh, the introduction of Rudy Webster into the equation. <laughs> oh, you go, Peter. He he was involved with Richmond in the um, the early eighties, late seventies. I think maybe more so the early eighties, and. I think he was recruited to the Bulldogs to try and get more into the minds of the players and sort of come at it at a different angle. And I think, look, he, he contributed a bit. He was there a year or two and Mick used his services and uh, it was an interesting experiment. Yeah, but do you remember that? Because we used to roll over to Rudy's place on a Friday night before a game. Yeah. There was about, there was about eight of the lunatics. There was Beza, Jimmy Edmond, I think Peter Foster, Hawk, Super, um, myself. All, all the all the bright buttons. There was a number of times where Hawk and, and Super would get the giggles, and Rudy'd have to sort of send them out of the room because I was spoiling what was ever going on. And right. but I remember one specific night we we're playing. I think it was Hawthorne the next day. Fozzie, oh Peter Foster, Fozzie uh, at the start of the session was like, "Oh, we're playing Hawthorne. You know, there's no way we can beat Hawthorne." You know, we're going to get our tails kicked, you know, all that sort of language. And by the end of the hour with Rudy Webster, Fozzie was up and about. And, right, let's, and his chest was out and he's prancing around. And yeah, we're going to bloody smash these blokes. And <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it, look, it was, I, think, I think it helped. I think it just helped us to zero in on, on our task and, and get focused about what was really important rather than some of the emotional stuff that we all go through before a game. 1985 was obviously the pinnacle of that of that particular era for the club. Uh, your memories of, of that first, Rick, and then we'll talk to you, Simon. We had a, we had a terrific year right from round one. Um, we're up and about and, and winning games, and you know the, the side was really gelling. I broke my leg in round 13, I think, and and just got back to the last game of the year to, to sneak in and be involved in the finals. And probably my my only memory, because I think I've, I've washed the rest of it out of. My, out of my head was 
losing by 11 points in the preliminary final and it sort of emptied my brain that um, that we missed an opportunity. And I remember that a mate of mine who played the Metropolitan Golf Club rang me up on the Sunday and said, mate, um, how are you going? Do you want to go and play golf next weekend, next Saturday? I said, bloody good idea. And I thought I'd take my mind off it. And uh, so, we, so Brian Cordy and, uh, and I went to play golf with my mate. Before we drove out of the gates at Metropolitan, Toby and I were just about bashing each other in the arm, saying, we actually should have been there <laughs> today. Yeah. What, what in the bloody hell are we doing playing golf? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. So that's that's probably my biggest memory, Simon. It was a year of highs and lows for you personally, wasn't it? Uh, in terms of you know, the great uh, great achievement to kick the hundred goals in the in the match against North Melbourne. Yeah, look, we 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 had a really good side. Like we we matched it with um, all of them. I think actually we 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 were one side that Essendon, who sort of dominated that year, were concerned with. We 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 sort of played really well against Essendon, but we sort of met Mick and Walshy. Um, went recruiting hard with Nick Collum, I reckon. They got a lot of Western Australians involved. I mean, we got blokes of the ilk of Andrew Purser. I think Neil Peart came across from Richmond. Budgie, Tony Bahaji came over from Essendon. Um, and, of course, the, 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 the big signing was Brad Hardy, unbeknown to us. Um, Jimmy Sewell. Yeah, Jimmy Sewell was there, uh, Alan Daniels, uh, Ian Williams. So we, did, we we had a very strong Western Australian contingent. Mm. Um, Brad Brad was sort of dominating that preliminary final uh, up until the last quarter, he'd been on Lee Matthews, and Matthews had been on and off the ground, and uh, we we had a real really good go at it. It just it didn't quite happen, but you know that's footy. That uh, that final at the at the G against North Melbourne when you when you kicked the hundredth goal and uh, and the crowd runs on the ground. What what are your memories of that? I mean, have you have you seen it back since very often or? Kev, he plays it. He plays it about every four night. Times a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, yeah, every, yeah. You, you speak to any other guys out of place for the first time, they all have to sit down and watch it. So don't worry about it. He plays it all the time. Well, the problem, the problem is, Kevin, as you know, with YouTube, they tend to focus on highlights from the 1980s. <laughs> and, um, and there are very few highlights involving R. Kennedy, but SBD <laughs> featured in the 100th goal. Beating Collingwood in the last minute, beating Brisbane, kicking for goal of Brisbane. So they, they don't put um, back backline players up. I can understand that. You know, the final series, North Melbourne, we were good. We were really good over the series. We had a bad game first up against Hawthorne, um, yeah. and then we we gave it to North Melbourne in the um, in the second week. I really thought we had a good chance against Hawthorne, so uh, we moved on. Do you remember after the first the first loss against Hawthorne, the first final, and Nick sat us down in the room on the Monday night uh, in the in the coach's room, <laughs> went through every player, <laughs> yeah, and sort of shared a few <laughs> a few home truths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, no, he gave it to yeah. us. <laughs> there was some funny times, wasn't there, in hindsight? Yeah. Was there was there a bit of a uh, sort of a uh, I mean a, almost a, a hangover from that 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 uh, sort of lingered with the club for the next couple of years? Yeah, I think I think we've lost two a few of the players retired and moved on. Brad uh, Brad and Mick had their moment at Waverley that day when Brad took his jumper off and and waved it at Mick, and then he was sort of done done with the club at that stage. I think he moved up to Brisbane. Jimmy Edmund went to Sydney. Yep. Yeah, look, we, we were competitive, but Mick Mick was still coaching well. Um, he he didn't leave the club until the end of '89. Rick agreed. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that we only played one final series is um, pretty disappointing. But you know, there's thousands of blokes that played 
AFL football has never played one final. Mm. So um, we've, got, we've got to be grateful for what we did have. What did it mean to you to be captain of the of the side uh, when you were named captain in 86? Oh, for a, a, a little bloke from Downing Country, Kippsland, um, uh, not the most talented bloke that ever walked on a football field. Um, it, was a, it was a huge honour um, from a personal point of view. Uh, a lot of faith, I think, shown by Nick in the match committee um, to put me in that position because you know, when I look back in the couple of years leading up to that, I, geez, I remember nearly having a fist fight with Wayne Walsh in the rooms at Essendon one day uh-huh. when he when he tried to take the jumper off my back and or told me, <laughs> actually asked me to give, give me a hand over my jumper. I said, you want to get the jumper, you come and get it. <laughs> so there's it, it, sort of been a fair transition um, over a period and it, it was it was very exciting from a personal point of view, but to be um, considered to be a leader of the group that we're involved in uh, was a big honour. Simon, you uh, you pulled up stumps in the middle of the '89 season. Uh, just the the wear and tear in your body yeah. in the end got you. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I I I really had great great times in footy, going back to amateur footy in the mid in the mid '70s in Perth. And funny thing about Swan Districts when I played with them, Kevin John Todd coached us, mm. and. Um, he was one one of the great names in Western Australian football, and and when I left to, when I left Swan Districts at the end of um, 1981, we played off with the flag in 1980 and got stumped by South Fremantle, and we we got to the preliminary final in 1981. But I was sort of done there at that stage. I wanted to come east, and he said to me, "Look, I think we're on the verge of something great." And I said, "Well, look, I'm getting on. I'm I'm, I'm 25. I've really got to go to I've got to go to Melbourne." and you know how you sort of talk, you play football to win premierships, that's the bottom line. Well, even though we didn't win a premiership at the Bulldogs, the funny thing, Swan Districts went premiers 82, 83 and 84. So three years in a row, they won the flag Swan Districts under John Todd's tutelage and sort of it reminded me as a kid, in, um, they did it in the 60s, 61, 62, 63, when I was five years of age. I can yeah. remember going to all three premierships with my, my grandfather and watching Swan Districts carved them up three years in a row and history was repeated 20 years later and not being part of it wasn't an issue you know like you know when I first went to Melbourne John John Todd the Swan District President I struggled in the first the first month or so and they said to me you can always come home but I was never ever going to go home so I think that's interesting because I you know I I really feel for people uh, I I wouldn't say this publicly but I'll tell you now for people like Visa and the likes of Doug Hawkins you know the Steve Wallace's uh, the real champions of our side, that they're considered champions within the Bulldog fraternity and they're, they're, they're considered good players in the AFL fraternity. But if we hadn't been successful as a club in final and in particular a grand final, um, I, I mean, you look at someone like Hawk, Hawk would be one of the greatest players of all time. And he, and, and he deserves that honour because the final series that he put together in 85 oh, yeah. was just unbelievable. So I, I sort of feel for some of the guys that were unbelievable players that they really, because they haven't played in those final series, they're not considered in the same milk as others. But that, as Peter said, you know, that's the way it is. That's life, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, and, exactly right. Um, good, good summation. A lot, a lot is uh, talked about, and a lot's been written about 1989 and the end of 1989. How that thing. I actually wanted to talk to you two about uh, your part in 1996 at the end of that year when the club uh, w- went perilously close again to going under. 
and you're both very heavily mm. involved in, in, in that one. The 89 one's, about, I think, been talked about a lot, but let's talk about the 96 one and your involvement in that. 96 is an interesting one because there's a, there's a couple, and this mightn't be as well known as it should be, but there's a couple by the name of Kevin and Yvonne Medding, who you'd know Kevin. They actually called me and said, listen, the club's going out the back door. But to cut a long story short, started the ball rolling where Kevin and I actually met with Ray Baxter to try and um, get him to become president uh, or, or, or look to become president, um, which then led to a board meeting where I was working at 431 St. Kilda Road um, with, about, with about eight people in there, that, of which David Smorgan was one. And interestingly enough, out of that grew a group that were meeting on a weekly basis of about 80 to 100 people that were serious about making sure the club never went out the back door. And, and those meetings happened for, I can't remember for how long now, but certainly for probably a couple of months. And, and the word never got out that we're actually meeting until we we're ready to go. We didn't want a bloodbath if it was required that a new group needed to come in. We wanted to do it differently to what's happened in the past in the club where there was a handover, not a, uh, not a fight. And to, and to get through um, some of those moments uh, was an enormous feat. And it was, it was greatly led by David Smallman and Alan Johnston and Ray Baxter and a whole host of people that really made a difference. And our club's there today um, because of those guys and, and other people and, and probably particularly because of that, Kevin and Yvonne Metting. And then Rick talks about all those great Bulldog supporters, and there is many of them, you know, Peter Gordon, Johnston, Gary Johnston also needs to be. Oh, uh, oh, Gary, Gary, huge contributor. And also, just recently, we've seen the passing of um, Peter Greenham. Um, and Peter yeah. Greenham was involved uh, in the upper echelon of the club um, financially and was a great benefactor of the Bulldogs. And, uh, and sadly, he passed uh, two or three weeks ago. And um, fortunately for Peter, he was at the, uh, the 2016 Grand Final. And there was actually, on Instagram, there's a famous photograph. Carl Stefanovic was sitting two, two, two or three down from Peter Greenham. And Peter had tears in his eye after the game. And um, Carl took a photograph and posted it. And I saw it. And it was a great, a great, 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 uh, a great moment. And um, and he was rewarded, you know, uh, for, after all that uh time and effort with the Bulldogs in terms of getting the club getting a premiership and, and so many people were. That was one the great moment with those boys did in two thousand sixteen will never be forgotten. What what did that mean to you on the day, Simon, the the twenty sixteen flag? Well look, I mean a lot of people over the history of the club over the over the period have been involved in some capacity from you know, player, presidents, committee men, boot starters, coaches, uh, all sorts of people. So I think that you know the culmination of uh, uh, over the years, people putting in for the club and and seeing the club get a premiership because that's all that's what it's about, winning premiership. Just it was just a magnificent moment for the club, and um, I was at the uh, the Punt Road end with Nola and my family, and mm. um, and it was just great. It was really good. We enjoyed it immensely. Your friendship with Nola Sherwell is well well documented and well known to uh, everyone around the club, and that that must have been a, a yeah. lovely moment for you to share that with her on that day. Nola, yeah, no, she loved it. Ninety-five in December, Nola, wow. and still going strong. So, um, anyway, five years time, she'll be around for sure. Yeah, beauty. Well, Rick, Rick, Rick's <laughs> ninety-four in December, so um, he'll be. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly, yes. Anyway, 
Hey, uh, between you, you've got uh, just over 300 games, just over 600 goals and, uh, you know, amazing uh, uh, love for you around the footy club from uh, from the supporters. So, uh, I want to thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it and it's uh, it's been lovely to catch up. Nice talking to you, uh, Kevin. Very nice talking to you and look forward to seeing you, Ricky, down at Kingston Heath, my friend. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate uh, having a chat and appreciate you having a chat with my best mate and, and I and, and having a bit of fun. Fun is certainly a word that comes immediately to mind when those two are uh, in the room. They're a couple of great characters of the football club and a couple of really nice men. Uh, Simon Beasley and Ricky Kennedy, fantastic to have them on the Two Dogs podcast. Thanks uh, for your company. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, if you want to check out uh, past episodes of this particular podcast, you can do that. Just jump on the Past Players page on the club website and you can see it there. Also, uh, you just uh, just go to the normal uh, podcast uh, search engines and, uh, and put in Two Dogs podcast and up it will pop and you'll see all sorts of uh, great stars of the past like uh, Brian Royal, Stephen Wallace, Stephen Power, Gordon Casey, Peter Welsh, Bobbo Smith. Uh, they're all there, so check it out and uh, hope you enjoy And I hope you enjoyed this one. More to come, the Two Dogs podcast, with thanks to the Past Players and Officials Association. Go the red, white and blue. Go the doggies. But you can't beat the ball.